My name is Cody Rose, and I'm an operations specialist based in Central Illinois. You are listening to the Whisper Loud podcast, where we give folks a seat at the table to have candid conversations on careers and decisions faced by women in seed production. In the words of Martin Luther King Jr., find a voice in a whisper. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Whisper Loud podcast, where we give everyone a seat at the table to talk about candid conversations, their career paths, and issues and challenges faced by women in seed production. Um, I'm Abby Rep, one of your hosts, and I'm here joined with Chelsea and Megan. Ladies, want to say hello? Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll go ahead and start. Um, Shannon, just so you know who I am as well, I'm Megan Reynolds. I'm a production manager right now uh, based out of Southwest Minnesota at one of our commercial soybean sites. Uh, we are about halfway done with packaging, or not packaging, harvest right now and just ramping up packaging. So we are in the heat of it and it's getting exciting. Hi everyone, my name is Chelsea Hagen. I'm a production lead at a seed corn manufacturing site in Northern Indiana. And we are very excited here to be finishing up a successful and very safe harvest and getting started right into a new crop packaging season. All right. Hi, Shannon. So I have the privilege today of introducing our guest. So Shannon Huff is currently the Senior Vice President and Head of Seed Production Innovation at Bear Crop Science. Shannon and her team are located in 25 countries around the world. They have responsibility to develop strategic and technical solutions in the production of seeds to deliver farmers the highest quality seeds and drive sustainable growth and profit of Bear Seeds business. Previously, she was a senior vice president and head of crop technology for soybeans. Shannon is an executive sponsor for women in research and development and women in product supply, the global co-lead of Bear's business resource group, Grow, and has a focus on the development and advancement of women. Her passion for the development and advancement of women is one of the reasons we really wanted to feature her as a guest today. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a uh... Great to be here and great to be part of uh, this podcast. And I look forward to the conversation. Yeah, we're really excited to have you here, Shannon. And we'd love if you want to give your kind of perspective of your career path and tell us a little bit more about you. No, thanks, Abby. So my uh, career uh, path uh, certainly has been interesting. I, I grew up on a corn, soy, and livestock farm in southern Minnesota. So about 70 miles south, uh, Megan, I think of where you're located. I grew up on a farm between Jackson and Sherburn, Minnesota, just uh, right off uh, the interstate there, just north of, of the Iowa-Minnesota border. And certainly was involved in agriculture growing up on the farm. And I left the farm uh, to go to school at Iowa State University with really the intent of not going into agriculture or coming back to the farm which is an interesting school to go to if you're not going to go into agriculture, which is kind of a whole nother story. Uh, but I went uh, actually for pre-medicine. And about my junior year in college, um, I had an internship. I had a, a group of friends that were working out at Asgro Seed Company. And they had a, an extra internship. And I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna go out there and I'll, I'll work too. I was interested in, in, I knew exactly what they were doing and it was a, a group of my friends. And when you're in college, it's important to work with your friends and it was easy work to be able to do. And so I kind of snuck in last minute and, and was able to work there at ASGRO and was able to complete an internship. And it kind of goes back to the importances that 
internships have. And so it changed my career path. I was no longer interested in pre-medicine. Um, and uh, instead, I was most interested in actually pursuing a career uh, in plant research. And when I was doing my internship, I noticed that there were two types of activities, the activities that I was doing, um, and then the activities that those with higher degrees were doing. So if they had a master's or a PhD, and those individuals were thinking about strategy and, and putting together, you know, thinking about the science, and, and that's what really interested me. So I then went to get my graduate degree at North Dakota State University, uh, a master's degree in plant genetics and a, a doctorate degree in plant sciences. Uh, from there, I joined um, Monsanto in our field sales organization. And I've been part of this organization since. So interestingly, I've only ever really worked uh, for one company through a series of acquisitions, which is pretty rare for somebody to say uh, in their career, but it's been an amazing journey. I've been here 18 years and I've had 10 roles across five different organizations. So I started in field sales uh, from our field sales uh, market development organization. I moved into product management first in the US and then in the globe. From there, I moved into uh, R&D where I was focused on crop strategy. Uh, and then from R&D and crop strategy, I moved now into product supply. So it's uh, been, been a fun, fun ride. And uh, I'd like to think I'm probably about halfway through my career. So I'm interested to see what the second half of my career uh, holds for me. That's awesome. I didn't, I didn't know that at all. So 10 roles in 18 years that you yeah. said? Yeah, oh 10 roles God. in 18 years. So it's uh, been a journey. Do you yeah, want to tell a us? A lot of change. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to tell us your favorite, Shannon? My favorite was my first job, right? So um, uh, the, the first role, so I entered the role as kind of a, a trainee. So it was probably really the second role, which was, um, I was a technology development rep. So my job every day was to wake up and work with farmers uh, as we brought technologies to the marketplace. And if you think back to this time frame, it was in kind of the mid 2000s. So it was in kind of that 2004, five, six time frame. And during that time frame was really a shift when we were growing our biotechnology trades business. And we were really shifting from being a crop protection company to being a seeds and trades company. And that was a significant change uh, in our industry to, to be part of that transformation. And it was a, it was a wild ride and it was fun. Uh, and my job was to, to work with our sales team and to work with our customers, our farmer customers and bringing that technology to their farm. And best job I ever had. Um, it was a job that was really hard to leave. Um, but I knew that I wanted to have the opportunity to have an impact that was bigger than my Southwest 20 counties in Iowa. And so that was really the, the move to St. Louis, which gave me that opportunity to, to have a broader impact, you know, impact um, and bring technologies to farmers around the world. That was really what, what inspired my move from, you know, leaving my best job. I knew it had to be a good job that I was leaving uh, to go to. Um, that said, I, I will tell you my second favorite job which maybe it'll be my favorite job by the time I'm done with it is the one I have today. I love this job for reasons different than I, than I love that first job, uh, which was calling on farmers every day, which is, you know, I feel like I'm incredibly lucky. I sit at an intersection of bringing technologies 
to farmers around the world. So we bring them in the best seeds. Um, and it's at that intersection of R&D and that commercial business that just where I really find my niche and where, I, where I'm most happy. It's the, the space where I can bring my best self to work every day because I get to work with our teams who are driving the innovation and I have the opportunity to work with our teams who, who bring these innovations to our farmer customers. Um, and, and the other thing I love about this job is, you know, you, you said it in the introduction, I have the opportunity to be part of a team where, where we have individuals in 25 countries around the world. And to get to see how innovation changes people's lives in those 25 countries is you know, deeply impactful for me. Um, you know, I always say, you know, when we brought Roundup Ready in, in biotechnology to our farm, I, it no doubt changed our farming uh, operation. Um, in, a, in a way, it changed our lives, right? It was no longer the job of, of kids each summer walking fields, keeping fields clean. And, and in a way, it, it simplified farming practices for, for my parents. And I would tell you, it's uh, far, you know, farming today is, uh, you know, there, there's things that make it hard and complex, but from an innovation standpoint, it, it's changed our operations, right? But you go to a smallholder farmer in Africa or India, and you see what it's done to their family. I mean, our house always had a roof on it growing up, right? Well, you go to Africa and you go to India and, and the ability to utilize biotechnology and innovation on their farm puts, puts roofs on people's houses. It allows them to send their children to school. Uh, and for me, you know, just having that impact is um, in, in these global roles is so satisfying. That's really cool to hear you know, what you're seeing as you have your global travels and get to interact with those global partners. Um, I know that, you know, the Roundup Ready technology changed my life. I no longer was going to fields <laughs> with my dad. So I, I know I had an impact on me, but I know that there's, there's much larger impacts that are out there too. One thing before we dive into the heat of the question, Shannon, that I want to ask you is I know you're really active in the industry as well. Do you want to highlight anything you're doing today outside of, of Bayer? Sure. I mean, you know, I could, we could take this a number of different directions. Um, you know, certainly I, I think uh, first and foremost for me, it's, you know, how do we advance and develop um, women in agriculture? Women belong in agriculture. Um, you know, we are, regardless of where you are around the world, we're about 35 to 40% of the population that actually does the farming operations. Uh, so not to forget that. Um, you know, we're, we're obviously involved in the decisions that are made uh, at the farm. And, and so it's important that the companies that do business with, with these farmers, us being one of them, that we represent what our customers look like uh, around the world. Uh, we make better decisions um, when we can have a, a diverse group of people sitting at the table to make those decisions. And so I think that, you know, this isn't something we compete at the farm gate over all companies should be focused on how we, we can bring diverse perspectives to our businesses that better serve our customers and really help our industry th uh, thrive. Um, we've got a big job to do. There's not a lot of us and we've got to feed the world um, and we'll do a better job of that, uh, making sure everybody's included. You know, other things that I'm involved with, um, social justice is incredibly important to me. Uh, here in St. Louis, I sit on the board um, of a school, it's called Marion Middle School, and it, and it provide and it really serves uh, underrepresented uh, girls in our community. 
Um, and, and it's, you know, and when I think about diversity there, right, and the way that you change lives, I mean, you don't just change a girl's life, you change the life of her family by giving her an education. Um, and that's something that I'm, you know, deeply passionate about. It's within the community. I live on a farm outside of St. Louis, but I will tell you St. Louis is my community, right? Um, and it's the opportunity to, to really have an impact on my community. Uh, and then maybe lastly, you know, I, two weeks ago, I actually had my first face-to-face -face meeting since March of 2020. And uh, I got to spend the week at Iowa State University. So the university where I got my undergraduate degree. And I'm telling you, returning to a college campus is, gives you energy. Um, if, if it wasn't only for that, um, it was the energy that I got certainly being there. But, you know, really look at not just Iowa State, but I'm, I'm involved in a number of ways as we think about new talent and how we bring new talent to our organization. Um, because, you know, somebody's going to replace me. And, you know, it's likely that maybe they'll be my boss as well. <laughs> and so we've, we've got to do a really good job of making sure that we're getting access to the best talent. Um, and, and so certainly I have connections there, but I have connections to a lot of universities. And I just find that in it and am energized by the talent in our organization. And every year when I listen to our interns, I mean, you know, I kind of thought I was maybe a good intern, but these interns, man, I don't know. I wouldn't have been able to compete. And uh, they are absolutely amazing. And I am not worried at all about millennials or the next generation that comes behind us because they are an amazing group of people. Um, who are doing amazing things and changing our company. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're going to change our industry uh, and our world as well. That's awesome. I love hearing about everything that you're involved with, you know, outside of work as well in your day-to-day -day life. Um, you talked a little bit about how you get to work with people from all over the place, diverse backgrounds and everything. And then even yourself being passionate about like the impact and stuff that you're having on other people in the community. It sounds like you have quite the reach. Um, so for our first question that I have for you, I want to ask, what is one thing that you would never whisper? Something that you would like shout from the rooftops to everybody that you came in contact with if you possibly could? You know, I the one thing I, I, I would always tell, and, and you know, this is the, a, a question that you get asked frequently. You know, I had the opportunity when as I always did, I spoke to four different groups and this almost always came up. What's the one thing, right, in your leadership journey that you'd tell people? And that, you know, you have to be resilient. Um, you know, you don't sit, you don't get the opportunity to sit at the tables I sit at or the chairs I get to sit in um, because you're, you know, it's because I was resilient. Um, I'm, you know, I always say the line of people to tell you no is a lot longer than the line of people who will tell you yes. Um, and it's pushing through the no, it's pushing through the failures, it's pushing through those learning lessons um, that really gets you the opportunity uh, to lead differently. And I think, um, you know, it's picking yourself up, uh, frankly, when, when you've been pushed down or you fell down on your own because um, it can, can happen in, in both instances. Uh, but it's just that lesson in resilience that I think that we all need um, to help push us forward. And if I had to tell you that one thing that made a difference in, in my leadership journey, it was, it was that lesson in resilience. Thanks, Shannon. I think that's really important because um, 
you know, we all have those times that we, we struggle and we look up to women in the organization and, and maybe, you know, feel like, wow, they've, they do it so perfectly all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's always refreshing as a young leader to, to understand that, you know, all, we all fail. We all um, have to get ourselves pulled back together and get back at it. Um, and that's what's really going to make us successful in the end. So I really appreciate hearing that from you. I have the first question for you, um, you know, in regards to your, uh, your career here. So can you tell us what are some things you've done for yourself um, to develop as a woman in agricultural leadership position? Um, maybe things that specifically you had to do to develop um, that maybe male counterparts didn't have to, or um, that really helped you from an agricultural standpoint as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think Chelsea, as I, you know, reflect back on my career, I was more than happy and more than willing to do the job that nobody else was willing to do. And there's a lot of learnings that come from that. You know, you you grow a skill set that's much needed to help you compete against everybody else that, uh, you know, you're you're competing against, in which cases most are men, right? Um, It teaches you to be humble. You know, there's no job too big or too small, you know, regardless of the role that you sit in. Um, and I think that's a good lesson to learn uh, because we, we've all done that role or we've all had that job. And, and certainly it, it teaches us to be both humble, but have empathy for, for the person who's doing the role. And so I think, you know, for me, I was always willing to do, to do those jobs or to, to have those roles that maybe weren't the most popular uh, roles. And in, in, in doing so, um, it accelerated my career in ways I wouldn't have expected either because I got opportunities. Um, I showed up differently than the people I was competing against in those roles. And, you know, I, I, it allowed me to, to define myself and my career differently. And when you think about a company, you know, whether your company's one, 100, 10,000, or 100,000, showing up differently is, is important. You know, I showed up as myself, and, and it was easy for me to build my brand. Um, you know, I think about that. So I, I go back to my first role, um, or that, that those first five years when I was in the field organization. And, you know, obviously, we all know, uh, you three know, coming up through the production organization, um, that if you're the woman, you might be the only woman on the team or the first woman on the team. And so, you know, that that can be, if you let it be, a, a lonely spot to be. I was incredibly fortunate. I was sur- true, I was surrounded by a, a group of men, um, many of which are still there today, but who were amazing. Um, some who've become dear friends um, who were not gonna let me fail. And, and that's what you, I always, you know, when I, when I see a new hire come and they ask some things to help make you, you know, what helped make me be successful, man, I surrounded myself with good people. And I surrounded myself with people who didn't let me fail and who pushed me. Uh, and when they needed to, you know, they, they, they always had my back. Uh, and, and I did the same for them. You know, so I think that these sales guys, man. I, I did everything I could to help make sure that they were going to be successful and, and they, they did the same in return. And so that was a good lesson, regardless if, if you're a woman or a man, you know, surround yourself with people who are going to care about your career as much as you do. Um, but in that instance, it helped me. It also helped me build confidence. 
Um, because one thing when you're in field sales is you need some confidence. You need some mojo. When you're walking in the field, you need to feel like you own it, that there's nobody in this field who's smarter than you. Uh, and that team gave, helped, me, helped me build that confidence um, and it helped me be successful. Uh, they also wanted me to be successful too. And so, you know, I was surrounded by a great group um, and I recognized that it is challenging, but I didn't find ways to make excuses for it. I found ways to embrace it. Um, and I found those who I knew would help me be successful, you know, and if, if someone wasn't there to help me be successful, well, then, you know, there were plenty of other people I could partner with um, to, to help to help both me be successful, but then help the customers I was serving uh, be successful. Uh, so it's it's not easy. Uh, you have to find find that group of people um, to, to, to that you can share your your and part of what I think we're trying to do through the or, you know the groups that we're all a part of, right? You know, I think about the the grow organization, right? It's bringing a group of like-minded individuals together who care about uh, who care about the advancement, in this case, the the development advancement of women, regardless of where you're at, right? Regardless if you sit in Indiana, St. Louis, Minnesota, Germany. India, Brazil, and the list goes on, right? That, that we can, can support each other. And, and in many cases, regardless of where we sit, we share a similar story, uh, but we all want each other to be successful. And so that's, I think, you know, for me, as I reflect on that first field experience, right? And, and dealing with the challenges of being the only or the first. Shannon, you talk about confidence and how you show up. And I think um, that's really, really important. And particularly maybe sometimes for women, um, it, it might be a little bit more difficult. In your career, have you had any opportunities to um, do anything specifically to help build confidence or build that, um, you know, the way that you show up in a confident way in a situation um, as a woman? And, and just any times when you feel like maybe you're with people that are higher up than you or uh, outnumbered in any sort of way, or maybe that you're not the technical expert in a certain area. Yeah, I mean, like Shannon, do you stand in front of a mirror and like give yourself like a pep <laughs> talk? Like what, what's your what's your secret? Well, uh, here's what I'll, I'll tell you. So there, I, there are points in my life where I can point to that directly contribute to my ability to have, you know, that, that ability to have confidence. The first, so you asked me about the groups that I, the things, Abby, that I was deeply passionate about. One thing I left out was 4-H deeply. And it's where I, I think about the last 18 months. I have spent outside of work single-handedly the most time helping my children. Uh, and my children might call these my own projects, right? With, with their 4-H uh, projects, specifically their lands, right? Um, but that but that 4-H, right, I, I was probably in that neighborhood of 12 years old-ish, right? So it was about fifth or sixth grade. And it was about that time when we were, you know, I was going through public speaking and, um, and at, at, at our house, so we needed public speaking and it was specifically for a contest. You could actually have postcards, um, but, but not, not with my mom. No, you had to memorize everything you were going to say. And here I was going against like 15 year olds and 16 year olds. And I'm like, man, can I just have some postcards? No, nope, no. Nope. So I stood in front of a mirror 
and I would I memorized what I was going to say, uh, and I won, right? And and the lesson to that was I was I was incredibly prepared, and I practiced and I watched myself, um, and of course my mom reminded me of why that this occurred, right? It was through that hard preparation, and. And it was that same level of preparation that I took throughout my childhood and throughout my career. And I remember when I first started getting the opportunity to present to our executive leadership team, you know, it was more than 10 years ago, it was actually early in my career. And I always say probably I was in roles I was never destined to be in, but I found my way to them and I seized the moment. And I was incredibly prepared. And my peers would say to me, how do you, how do you pull this off, man? You show up, you're confident and you never, you always know the answers to the questions. And I'm like, well, I trust me. I prepared, I practiced the questions. I thought about what they were going to ask. I thought about where the gaps or the holes were in my, in what I was presenting, because that's immediately where they were going to go, go to as they should, that's their job. Right. Um, and so I was really, really well prepared. And I, I still think about it today. Um, you know, I'm not showing up at a meeting with, um, you know, whether it, it's my boss or, you know, his peers is not prepared. Uh, and I'm going to try and find if I was listening, where would the holes or the gaps be and how do I close them? Um, but it's leading with confidence. And, um, the other thing too is I remember when I first, I was leading our Dicamba project, which is the hardest project I've ever had. It will be the hardest project I've ever led or job I've ever done in this company. And at that time, one of our senior leaders said, Shannon, there's nobody who knows this better than you. Go in that room, be confident and tell them exactly what you came to tell them. And I will never forget that, right? Because nobody knew it better than me. Um, and it was it was that confidence that you had to have, because if I if I'm the person that knows the most and I show up not confident, you know, then you immediately the people that that expect me to, to have that confidence and to expect to know what's going on are, are going to lose confidence. Right. And so for me, it's it started at an early age when I was in that probably 12 years old preparing for this contest in 4-H all the way to, you know, when I've had when I've had the, whether you call them opportunities or not, but when I, when I've been in a situation, you know, where I've needed to lead with confidence, because if I, as a leader was not leading with confidence, the organization would be, it would be challenging to ask them to, to have that confidence in the direction we were headed. So that's kind of how it started. Uh, and some key points through my career that really led me to to kind of lead with confidence. I, I like those that story and all the way through for multiple reasons. One, it showed you know just what a talented woman you are within the industry. But two, um, you're passing on a strong woman's um, rec, you know <laughs> advice, and I'm sure you're passing on to your children. But you also had a, a woman tell you you know and, and support your skills. You know this. <laughs> you go in and do it. You you're gonna nail this, and it takes. Um, all of us encouraging each other to do the best in our day-to-day our -day career. So appreciate all those little insights. One more question we've got for you, Shannon, is around kind of your work in the industry. And so when you think about skill sets that women or men need to build um, to advance their career and their own personal development, what opportunities outside of Bayer 
and within the industry are you seeing and that you'd recommend for somebody? So when you think about advancing your, your career, advancing your development, I mean, you know, there's lots of ways I think people can advance, um, you know, their career and advancing their development, whether it's, you know, inside um, our company or, you know, I, I think about the three, the, the things that you three women are doing, right? That's advancing your development. This is something above and beyond your day job, right? And I had this conversation this morning and, um, you know, driving change, driving culture is, it's not for the weak, it's weak-hearted. Um, and and it's, it it's a big job. Um, and we have to have, you know, thick skin and big shoulders to do it, right? And this is ways that you can you can advance your, your development, advance your career and think differently by, you know, taking on these types of leadership roles in, in helping our company. You know, outside of, of, of our company and, and I look at the industry, I mean, there's lots of neat things. I mean, this is a great time to be in agriculture. You know, it, it's a changing time which can be scary, um, but it's a great time to be in, be in agriculture. Um, the, the change and in innovation at the farm gate is exciting. Um, you know, I, I look at my, what, 71-year-old father, man, you know, navigating the apps on his phone. He can't figure out how to run Alexa or Amazon, but if there's an app relative to agriculture on his phone, he's got it figured out. Um, you know, that's, that's really neat. Uh, you know, and, and calling me and he's bragging about how straight he sprayed all of his rows because he can see he has a map, right, that tells him exactly what he sprayed in the field. And he had no overlaps because of variable rate spraying. And that's cool stuff. Um, and it's, it's really exciting to be in agriculture at a time where you have innovation moving uh, so, so quickly. You know, I think there's a lot of really neat things going on in this industry. I think there's a lot of great companies uh, doing some really interesting things as well. And, you know, the conversation I had at, when I was up at Ames here two weeks ago, this isn't about, there are too many problems to solve in this world relative to feeding people. We single-handedly will not do this ourselves. Not every good innovation is going to come from St. Louis uh, or Monheim, right? Uh, it's going to take all of us working together, both in the public sector but also in the private sector. And it's gonna take all of us, whether we are a startup who has rented a lab uh, at one of these innovation centers that might have two or three people working, you know, to companies like ours that have 100,000. It, it, it will take literally all of us working together. And, and part of my roles over the course of my career, I've got to be in these roles where we, were, where we had partnerships with our competitors. Uh, and those are really neat. When, when you can see companies who are driving innovation come together to come up with a better solution than if we could have done it on our own. And I think that there's a lot of opportunities and a lot of excitement because, you know, you think about it, agriculture is a pretty small world, right? You probably all know somebody who works at, you know, all of these different companies, right? And it's how do we all work together um, to bring better innovations um, and let's be honest, we're going to compete fearlessly at the farm gate. Don't you worry about that. Um, but there's a lot of really neat innovation out there that I think we can all bring to the 
bring um, to, to those farmers around the world. That's awesome. So I think overall, some of the most important things that I've taken from you today is having those people that support you, making sure you're that person of support to other people, lifting people up, really focusing on like the things that you can do to help develop the culture, um, all great things there. Um, is there any last tidbit of information that you wanna leave us with before we've got to wrap up today? Yeah, maybe one thing uh, or just some final words, right? I yeah. think, you know, as, um, you know, as any of us in agriculture, we've, we've got a big job. Uh, it's going to take all of us and it's going to take, um, you, know, you know, we need to be sitting at the tables where decisions are made. Um, we, we bring a, a tremendous voice. Uh, we, we bring a lot of buying power. 85% of the purchase decisions here made are, are here in the U.S. are, are by women. And, and so it takes, you know, you know, we make decisions that impact the companies that, that all four of us uh, work for. And, and so we need a voice uh, in those decisions that, that are being made. You know, I'm proud of the things that we're doing to advance women and to advance um, really all underrepresented um, groups of, of individuals. And, and that's, you know, when I think about my career and the things that, that, I, that most excite me, it's the work that we're doing in that space. The innovation is really cool, let's be honest. Um, but, but the work that we're doing in the spaces to advance women um, and other groups of people is just equally as powerful and equally as exciting. What do your, what do your kids think about you and your role? right now like do you get <laughs> feedback from them like what do you do at work every day mom or well I like do I get feedback from them yes I get lots of feedback from them <laughs> is it useful I don't know um uh, you know my kids here's and, and here's why you know kids have a unique perspective of the things that uh, of the world in general right my kids think I sit in meetings all day um and and it's, it's really, and I, I think I'm okay with that, right? Uh, my, my kids ask me, mom, are you the boss? And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm the boss or not. It depends on, you know, what's the topic? Um, because kids don't have a perspective, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, of what, it, what sitting in meetings do. And, and, and so the easiest thing is, you know, my kids are, are very much interested in agriculture. We obviously live on a, a farm here outside of St. Louis. We have livestock. You know, they get to drive and ride in a John Deere tractor, and that's all really cool. And they have a perspective of science. And, and so, and I'd like to think that they appreciate the things around social justice. We talk about that a lot at our house. And so if if I can leave my three kids or my two kids with those three impressions that agriculture, science, and social justice is really important, um, then I probably have done a, an okay job uh, with, with trying to, to leave them with what I think is important as I think about what I do every day at work. Um, but no, they think I sit in meetings all day. <laughs> And they're right. right. It makes you feel any better, Shannon. My four kids think that I sit in meetings and do Excel spreadsheets. Like that is like my two skill sets. That's basically what I do. And right? I do a lot of those things. But I would just like to say, um, you know, going into these, I, I'm always a little nervous. Um, and I, I hadn't had the opportunity to work with you a ton coming into this. And I would just like to say that you have like a, ren a renewed sense of passion for agriculture. I mean, it just 
it yeah. shines through when you talk and um, it makes me excited about what we get to do. So I really appreciate talking to you today. No, absolutely. I was in the field last week, man. I'm telling you, I was like a kid in the sandbox. <laughs> it was, and I, and I, I, I told you, so I said, I didn't even break anything either. So I don't think I broke anything. Um, but man, I, it was, so I spent two days, oh man, the energy I gained from that, um, just invaluable I, I get to be outside every day here and, mm-hmm. and doing farm things but going to spend two days you know at a dealer location talking to dealers talking about farmers talking about innovation is just man that was exactly what I needed uh, yeah sure. it probably helps recharge the system a little bit well, if your kids happen to listen when we put this episode out you know I want them to know Shannon that I think you're a bad <laughs> I'm not going to say the word, but <laughs> you know, so you don't just sit in meetings all day. You're really leading this charge for women um, within yeah, our yeah. industry. And, and we definitely appreciate that. No, yeah, absolutely. My kid, the other thing, my kids, you know, here's the thing, right? Like I am not popular with, with well, especially my 11 year old right now, because it's like, <laughs> I'm on every night to do homework. And then I got to remind him, you know, he's kind of in this age, um, like Carter takes shower today. Did you put deodorant on? You have clean clothes on. You know, it's just like these very basic things. And by the time I get through those three questions, he's so mad that he can't answer the "Did you get your homework done?" <laughs> uh, question. And uh, you know, whereas my seven-year-old, you know, she's still, you know, thinks that I'm useful at some things, right? Um, mostly probably making food and other things. But, you know, all summer long, I was on them morning and evening, you know, to do their lambs because we'd go out and exercise their lambs and they'd have to practice. Uh, um, so yeah, kids have an interesting, you know, no different than how I thought about my mother when I was their age, right? It's like, <laughs> is she ever going to let up? it's okay I'm sure they appreciate all like the innovation and stuff that you're talking about too so they don't have to go out and walk fields on top of all that at the same time (laughs) yeah right I I know (laughs) and I keep uh if you know I I try to remind them that the reason we get to live in a nice house and have nice things is you know because we we we're lucky right we have great jobs Mm -hmm. um and you know they're, they're smart enough to see that we're close enough to challenges uh, you know, they can see that, you know, that that's not how it works for everybody. So they do have a perspective and are very appreciative. And so you kind of try and leverage that as much as you can. Because um, I grew up in a pretty, gosh, different world, right? I mean, my, I lived on the farm, biggest town at a thousand people. Um, everybody looked like me. Um, you know, it just is a, a real different perspective. And um, one that, you know, certainly learned a lot, but just you learn different lessons uh, than my kids will learn. And, you know, I keep myself humble because after this, I'll go out and scoop sheep pens, manure and sheep pens. So, you know, I really do do every job. (laughs) That's great. Well, I hope you could take a moment to relax after talking with us before you go start doing that scooping um, today. But again, we really appreciate and, and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Shannon.